Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Here we go. Another busy day. A lot of tax talk. Uh, proposals out there to pay for government spending programs. How will it impact agriculture? We will talk with CPA Paul Niefer about taxes on today's program. Lots going on with the markets. Arlen Suderman with Stone X will join us with his market outlook. And we'll get another planting update. From the state of Illinois today, David Erickson, currently in a rain delay. Uh, He farms near the Quad Cities. He will join us to tell us how far along they are before they were before the rains hit this week and uh, when he thinks he'll be able to get going again. That's coming up on today's program. But let's check the news with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, good to talk with you. There is lots of news. You've been hearing from several administration officials this week. Uh, Tell us uh, what you've learned. Well, of course, the most important thing is that the pre- uh, President Biden gave his equivalent of the State of the Union last night in a speech to Congress in which he laid out uh, all that he wants to do in his American Families Plan uh, and also the uh, tax increases, what he would call reforms, that he thinks are, are necessary to, uh, to pay for this. Now, in terms of agriculture, I'd say that the big announcements of programs going into the future uh, had been made in the previous American Jobs Plan, and that's the infrastructure program of of repairing roads, bridges, ports, and also bringing the Internet to the rest of rural America. In yesterday's uh, address, uh, in in food terms, there were important um, additions on nutrition programs, uh, but the uh, uh, but from a farm standpoint, of course, the announcement about taxes, uh, which would include the elimination of stepped-up basis, although the uh, Biden administration maintains it would not apply to most farms. Yeah, they say that, but uh, I haven't found anyone yet to quite figure out how you do that, <laughs> how you both eliminate the stepped-up basis and protect farms at the same time. Still waiting for details on that. Well, yes. Now, USDA does have a, have one statement out on it. Uh, uh, but, of course, as Pat Wolf, the tax specialist for the Farm Bureau, says, anytime you do these exemptions, it's always complicated. And, uh, you know, you probably have to have a pretty good accountant to uh, uh, to make sure that you uh, that you got all the exemption that you, that you needed, uh, the main thing here is that if uh, if someone dies, his heirs would or her heirs would have to pay capital gains tax on the difference between the cost of that farmland when it was uh, purchased initially and the uh, value upon uh, upon death, uh, and that. Could cause some problems, changes in the in the uh, in the land markets. I would think. Yep, it, there's a lot of there are a lot of questions here that we're waiting for answers for. Meanwhile, EPA Administrator Michael Regan uh, again had some encouraging words for the biofuels industry, uh, basically acknowledging their role in helping meet these climate goals that the administration is setting. 
Yes, that's right. And also Agriculture Secretary uh, Vilsack uh, said that in a recent cabinet meeting uh, that Regan made it absolutely clear to the other cabinet officials that he is committed to the, to the importance of biofuels in fighting climate change. And Vilsack said, very impressed with that because Regan did not have to say that, that sort of thing in that setting. So uh, that would seem to be very uh, positive statements. Uh, uh, but, of course, you still got that Supreme Court case pending uh, about the small refinery exemptions, and we'll have to see what the Supreme Court has to say about that. Yeah, that ruling will come probably this summer. We hope to have uh, Secretary Vilsack on with us tomorrow. He is defending the 30 by 30 plan of the administration. Some have called it a land grab. He denies that. Uh, yes. Uh, you, uh, I would say that the Republicans are capitalizing on this as much as possible, and the Farm Bureau is raising raising the question. The, the, the real issue here is how you define 30 by 30. Uh, you know, there are people who would say that that means you take 30% of land uh, out of production. Uh, but Secretary Vilsack would say, no, that's not the case. We're talking about using um, uh, conservation measures, and a lot of them would be focused on the uh, working lands. Interesting that the Senate Ag Chair, Debbie Stabenow, says that the president's $2.7 trillion infrastructure plan is woefully inadequate. So uh, that's within his own party on his infrastructure plan, raising some concerns. Uh, yes, uh, you know, it all depends on, you know, I guess what you're planning to do and what you define as infrastructure. Uh, the the Democrats are now, in addition to, you know, we think of of infrastructure as physical construction. The Democrats are now talking about human infrastructure, which the, to them means even things like child care and, um, you know, aid to families, etc. So we'll, we'll see how all of this develops. Of course, you know, the Biden administration can make a proposal, but until we see a bill that's, that's been introduced in Congress, we won't really know what it is. What is the feeling around Washington about the the cost of all these uh, all this spending that's uh, that it's taken place already and proposed for more in the future well there are of course people who are concerned about deficit spending people concerned about raising taxes uh but at the same time uh these proposals are turning out to be very popular with the public uh the the sort of instant polls last night shows that about 75 percent of the people who were watching the president's speech liked it, and uh, and I'm sure in rural America people will want the spending on on roads and bridges and ports and and the and the internet. Um, so uh, there's there's kind of a mixture as usual. People people want more than they're willing to pay for. Yeah, it's always going to be popular when you're looking at what you're going to get as far as what you think you're going to receive, especially if you don't think it's really going to cost you much. Well, I don't think that we're looking, or a lot of people aren't looking very closely at how it's going to be paid for, and somehow they're still thinking it won't impact them in that way, but it really affects all of us one way or the other. Well, it does affect all of us, but you do have to look at it both ways. People do. People in rural America really want that broadband, tired of you know going to the mcdonald's parking lot uh, for kids to do their homework and 
and uh, farmers need the the internet if they're going to be have access to information about how uh, how tractors function and how they're going to be repaired. So you have to weigh one against, weigh one against the other. Yeah, I agree, but it's hard to weigh one against the other till you see the full extent of both sides of it, the pay for as well as as what you get. So we'll see how yes, this plays out. Also, Jerry, th yeah. We need the details on what, what's actually going yes. to be and what you'd get, too. We haven't got right. those either. Yeah, still waiting on those details. Good point. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Bye. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, we'll get some thoughts on these tax proposals from CPA Paul Neifer. Stay with us. This is AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanting.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're joined by Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. First of all, with the labeling issue on E15, uh, for those not familiar with what's going on here and what you're wanting from EPA, kind of bring us up to date on this. The EPA did, in January, finally release a proposal where they are proposing to make changes to the E15 label that is currently required on pumps that are dispensing E15. But the label would make you think just the opposite, that somehow the majority of vehicles cannot and you, you need to be warned to not use it. That's kind of yeah. the impression it leaves. That's right. And in fact, there's a strong argument that maybe a label isn't even needed anymore. Right. Because you're right. 95% of the vehicles on the road today are legally approved by EPA to use E15. The vehicle has to be a model year 2001 or newer vehicle. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health? 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 
Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, the president's uh, proposing a lot of spending. He's also proposing higher capital gains taxes on inherited assets and doing away with stepped-up bases. Let's talk about it with CPA with Clifton Larson Allen, Paul Neifer. Paul, thanks for joining us. What do you think about this? Well, I, I think the, the devil is in the details. You know, the uh, USDA put out a press release yesterday, and actually I'm just in the middle of writing a blog post sort of in response to the press release saying that uh, that this transfer tax would not affect 98% of American farms as long as the farm continues to be operated and owned by the family. But uh, you know what they don't, uh, what they gloss over is all the income tax benefits that are lost due to the fact that there is no step up in basis. So uh, uh, you know it's going to affect quite a few. Uh, and, and we're not talking really wealthy farm families. You know, they tout the fact that there's a million-dollar exemption per person. Uh, but, you know, if you have a even a 2,000-acre farm in Iowa and you got grain in the bin, you've prepaid farm expenses, you know, even to farm these days a 2,000-acre farm, you're talking a million or $2 million of farm equipment. You're talking grain storage facilities. You're talking a shop. Um, you know, it, it, you don't have to have a very big farm operation to have more than $2 million of farm assets that, or gains because all that asset has a cost basis of zero. So it, it's definitely going to affect a whole lot more farmers than USDA is really touting right now. Okay, they're also saying they are they're going to protect farms and other family-owned businesses that continue in operation. How do you eliminate stepped-up bases and still protect farmers? Well, what they're saying, that's, that's, <laughs> what they're saying is as long as the family operates the farm, you're not going to owe, the, I'm going to call it a transfer tax. You know, there's going to be this capital gain. Well, basically, the step act is what they're talking about. So let's, let's assume that you have a family farm that's got $5 million of gains, and that's not a very big farm these days if, if mom and dad pass away right away. The first $2 million, the family gets to step up. They get to decide what they want to step up. So the $2 million is stepped up. The remaining $3 million is you have a, tax, uh, a transfer tax that's sort of recognized or realized, but the family doesn't have to pay it, but it doesn't disappear. At least I don't think it disappears. What happens in that case, as long as the family farms, you know, they're not going to owe that tax. But let's say 10 years goes by, 20 years goes by, and the family stops farming, then at that point, the transfer tax is owed plus interest all the way back to the time of death. Now, it could be similar to what we call our special use valuation rules, where as long as the family farms for at least 10 years, you know, that transfer tax disappears. But again, we don't have any details. You know, this is just something uh, that they're, they're touting right now, that family farms are not really going to get hit with this. But yes, they will get hit with it because they're losing an income tax deduction. Yeah, so they're saying they're, they're going to leave the estate tax alone, but they just come at it in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And, 
you know, are they really leaving the estate tax alone? Because, you know, they've already indicated, you know, that there's going to be uh, some changes on the Medicare arena where they want to drop the age down to 60 or 55. I've heard 60 uh, in order to pay for that. You know, when you add more people onto Medicare, there's going to be a cost to it. Is that when the estate tax exemption, they bring in the ideas on that or uh, curtailing some of the trust uh, you know, things, you know, you, where you have to, uh, you know, recognize gains every 21 or 30 years or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, they're not done. Yeah, you know, definitely they're not done. So ha- higher capital gains taxes, how high are they talking about? Uh, they're talking essentially for almost all farm operations. If you go over a million dollars of income, all your income, that's the key, all your income, doesn't matter what type of income you have, all your income is going to be taxed essentially at 43.4%. How do I get to that number? It's 39.6% because they want to go back to the old uh, pre-tax reform rates, 39.6. And then there's the 3.8% net investment income tax that was brought in under Obamacare, ACA. That was effective starting in 2013. That was designed to be strictly for investment income, interest, dividends, rent income, and so on. And what Biden in his proposal said, hey, there's some loopholes. Well, no, there weren't any loopholes. It's just how the law was written. It was for investment income. Well, what they're saying really, and we knew this was coming, all income, doesn't matter really what it is, uh, S-corp income, partnership income, and so on, which some of that's already taxed at the extra 3.8%, but that's going to be on top of it. So your rate's going to be 43.4. If you're in Iowa, add on basically another 9%. If you're in Minnesota, if you're in Illinois, you know, 5 to 10%. You're in California, it's 13.3. Pretty easy. You're going to get up to an effective marginal rate approaching 60, 65%. We're talking with CPA Paul Neifer. So, Paul... uh... (laughs) When I listen to that, it doesn't sound like farms and farmers are going to be protected or shielded from this very much. Uh, no, I would not say that they're going to be protected. Uh, the, you know, I, I think there's an immediate, as long as it's in the family, they're not going to get hit with the transfer tax. But what the administration is not touting is the fact that the farmer has now lost the step up. Uh, now, if they pay the tax, they get a step up or they get a step up on the first $2 million. But I don't think most farm families want to have to pay a tax just to get a step up. You know, so uh, uh, I, I think most farm families would like to keep the step up at bases and even see the estate exemption perhaps go down. They'd rather see that because they can manage that a whole lot better than they can having to pay an immediate tax when somebody passes away. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, this doesn't doesn't affect all that many people. But it, it sure sounds like it would affect quite a few. And, and regardless of the number, if you're one of that of that number, whichever, however big or few it's considered, if you're one of them, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I, and I think if you look at the what I call the typical farmer in the U.S. now, because you remember USDA and their database, they have a lot of farmers that I wouldn't say – at least in my operation, are not typical. You know, the 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 person that operates five acres and's got a horse on there or a cow on there, that's also a farmer. But if we're looking at who's producing the commodities across the country, you know, the 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 Midwest Iowa corn farmer that's you know you know farming a thousand, two thousand, three thousand acres, which these days is not a large operation. 
that's barely a medium size or even a small operation. If, if you're farming a couple thousand acres in Iowa, uh, you're going to be affected by this. Uh, uh, your family's going to be affected by this. That's why I always say, you know, beware when you're told something's going to be paid for by taxing the rich and you say, well, I'm not rich, so I'm okay. Uh, those same people telling you that are also the ones that are going to define who who is rich. So all of a sudden you may you may be put in a, a category of the rich you didn't think you were in. Well, and it's, it, let's go back to uh, the 1980s when they finally started taxing Social Security because they said, hey, it's not going to affect anybody because this is only for rich people, that the income level that they had was for, quote, rich people. Well, it was never indexed to inflation. So almost all of my taxpayers I deal with now that have Social Security income and a little bit of other income are paying a tax on Social Security. So, yeah, it, it, yeah when, when they, like you say, when they tout that uh, – uh, watch out because the rules are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, well, these are proposals. They're not set in stone yet, and we're still waiting for a lot of details. But uh, there are some red flags here for agriculture, you're saying? Uh, definitely red flags for agriculture. Uh, and and I think, you know, this is not a normal year, Mike. This is a pandemic, or we're coming off of a pandemic year. Um, we have a House. We have a Senate. We have a a president that not in firm control, so there's still there's still a glimmer of hope that certainly not all these details will go through, uh, but they're they're going to try to push as much of this through as they can because they know essentially they have this year to push it through. Next year's an election year; they already know likely they're going to lose the House, they could lose the Senate, uh, so they're going to try to push as much of this through as they can right now. Yeah, and we'll see how this plays out. And as you said, even with one party in control of. Uh, uh, both houses of Congress plus the White House, there will be Democrats that will get pushback from constituents on this, uh, on these proposals. So they'll, f- we'll see what they decide to do too. I mean, they're going to have to deal with that as well. So long ways to go, but these are things we need to keep an eye on. Paul, thanks for breaking it down for us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. Our, Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Wow. Uh, a lot here to keep an eye on. Uh, these proposals out there, it's a lot of uh, consequences to all this. Some big spending plans with a lot of things in there that people like and want, but also we've got to keep an eye on how to pay for it as well. Markets are a wild ride, too. Let's talk about that next with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. Stay tuned for his outlook here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. The key market fundamentals remain the same. Strong Chinese demand, Brazilian corn crop weather worries, and the early status of the U.S. planting season. The two-week Brazilian weather forecast continues to look drier than normal for many regions, while the U.S. has widespread rain moving across the eastern half of the country and rain in western areas in the forecast next week. U.S. ethanol production increased slightly last week as we continue to burn through inventory pushing ethanol stocks down to six-month lows. On the Board of Trade, July corn trading a fraction higher at 644, the May contract down three and three quarters at 682 and a half cent. For soybeans, the July contract trading two and a fraction lower at 1511 and a half cent. The November contract down eight and a fraction at 1319 and three quarters. For wheats, the Chicago wheat July contract trading five and three quarters lower at 717 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat July down eight cents at six eighty-eight and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat July trading three cents lower at seven twenty-nine. The May contract down two and a fraction at seven twenty-two and a fraction. Cattle futures continue to struggle and have not been able to find solid footing. Disappointing cash does not provide much incentive to buy futures. Hog futures have been strong, almost eliminating all the losses as supplies continue to tighten. For August live cattle on the Board of Trade, up 35 cents at 116.82. The October contract up 12 cents at 121.17. For feeders, the August contract up 40 cents at 149.30. The May contract up 45 at 135.42. For lean hogs, the June contract down $1.17 at 107.95. The July contract down $1.02 at 106.92. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kurt. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk markets with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Arlen, we've been on such a ride that any day that the markets are down, uh, the question comes up, okay, is the rally over? Or is, are we headed back down now? Uh, what are your thoughts on where we're at and where we're going with these markets? Yeah, I think those concerns are heightened to some extent because of how fast we went up and how early we went up. I mean, we're trading a lot of market now in late April, and that's unusual. And I think that's partially because of all the money that is in the system. you got that much money trying to 
uh, trying to play, making sure it gets into the game, and it's going to push it earlier and earlier. Well, when you push it that early in a futures market, which is trying to anticipate future events, you don't know if all those future events are going to play out as the market is trading. So you get those times of uncertainty. So it doesn't mean it's over, and unfortunately, nobody rings a bell, as they say, in Chicago when the high has been put in. So we don't know until after the fact. What we do know is that there are very little trade changed in the fundamentals this week. It's still quite dry in Brazil and continuing to deteriorate over 60% of the Safrina Corn Belt and probably going to see that 60% number grow with the core of the pollination of that corn crop coming over the next two weeks. So it's a very critical stage for it as well. Uh, we know that it's getting dry in parts of the Midwest, although it's really difficult to get the market worked up about that when we're in late April. But we've got some areas that are too dry to eat the German corn seed going into the ground, although we're probably going to see some pretty rapid progress in Monday's weekly crop progress report for getting the crops planted. Um, we know that it's dry in 30% of the western 30% of the Plains Hard Red Winter Wheat Belt. It's very dry in the Northern Plains Spring Wheat Belt, where we also grow a fair amount of corn, soybeans, and other crops. It's very dry in the Canadian prairies and dry in parts of Europe. So those concerns are still there. We know China is still buying with rumors this week that they're putting together a package of 1 to 2 million metric tons of corn. We never know until it's confirmed, um, but of late, those rumors have more often than not tended to play out. So those fundamentals are still there. But last week, we saw corn prices go up 70 cents and soybeans over a dollar. It's just natural that we have some uncertainty and some of this um, nervousness, particularly some of those new longs that just got in last week. And when it starts to dip a little bit, thinking, oh, no, you know, we need to get out before this thing collapses. But what I watch is how quickly do we buy the brakes. And so far, we've been seeing the brakes bought. End users are coming in to buy the brakes. Uh, speculators are coming in to buy the brakes. So, so far we have that. I still wouldn't be surprised by a more significant break since it's so early in the season yet that we could see a more significant correction. But the fundamentals at this point have not changed. But the markets don't always uh, work off of fundamentals, right? I mean, we can look at the fundamentals and they tell us the markets ought to be doing one thing and they do something else. Yeah, I say price is a function of supply and demand that is modified by the flow of money. And so the markets can go through periods where that flow of money or momentum, the computers are trading momentum, they'll take it as far as they can until they just get so far out of line that you get this big correction or so. And that can happen in both directions, as we've seen over the past year, to the upside or the downside. And they can, as the saying goes, they can trade illogically longer than you can stay liquid. Um, so volatility is pro probably with us to stay with the amount of money that is in the system now with all the fiscal and monetary stimulus, with the expanded position limits that are in, in play. And starting on Monday, we're going to have expanded trading limits, daily trading limits as well. Uh, for example, the normal trading limit right now is $0.25 cents for corn, $0.25 cents a day. And if you do that one day, then the next day it goes up to 40 cent limit. 
Well, next week, the normal trading limit is going to be 40, and the expanded limit will be 60. And that can be in both directions. And you can do that in both directions on the same day in this type of environment as well. So it gives a potential for quite a wild ride that can create a lot of heartaches and headaches for both producers and end users. I was going to say, that that sounds like a scenario where we can see a little bit of everything, right? I mean, extremes one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, it truly says keep your hands and feet inside the car, keep your Dramamine handy. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. So, Arlen, farmers trying to figure out how to market uh, in, in this kind of environment. What are you saying? Well, you have to, it still goes back to having a plan um, and treating it like a business. And the temptation is, and, and I come from the farm, I, I understand it, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, and you see an opportunity, and you feel guilty if you don't maximize that opportunity and get the maximum price possible for those crops. Well, only one person gets that maximum. Only one person gets that high. You have to be able to let go of that and, and scale in and be content and hope you're able to sell the next increment at a higher price. Um, use some of the tools that are out there, some of the over-the-counter products, etc., that give you still some upside potential. But be very careful what you do so that you're always managing your risk exposure. In this type of a market, if you try to go it on your own and and you follow someone's advice and says, for example, sell call options to cheapen up a put option or sell put options to cheapen up a call option, um, you, you have risk exposure in that. You have to understand what that risk exposure is because with these expanded limits, that only applies to the futures contract. And once the futures contract hits that limit, then everything goes to the option. You get much bigger movement in the options trade. So work with somebody who understands the derivatives market, understands it, stick with the plan, be content with what you've done, and simply always look forward, okay, what can I do with the next increment? And also be doing the same thing with your input cost because, as we know, unfortunately, when crop prices go up, input prices go up. We've already seen a lot of that. And particularly if you start looking at pricing, next year's crop the 2022 crop make sure you're also doing what you can to try to limit your exposure on rising input costs it seems very early to have a lot of this happening right now we don't even know what the acres uh, numbers are going to be uh we've had some concerns about dry weather but uh, not a major wet uh, production scare yet here in this country i understand concerns about the safrina crop in uh, south america but uh, I mean, we're still in April, and, and all this is happening. Yeah, we really are. And there's some very well-respected climatologists that we work with on opposite sides of the spectrum for this coming growing season, with some looking for a very favorable summer that could give us above-trend yields and offset some of the problems in Brazil, uh, while others are looking for more toward a repeat of 2012. So as a producer, what do you do? You kind of hedge your bets down the middle to some extent, 
um, and look at the price opportunities we have, realizing that nobody knows what the future holds, and in this type of environment, even what we have can disappear quickly um, and, and move forward with it. When the market moves a 40 or 60 cent limit move, no trades happen, so you can't do anything. So you have to take advantage of and just incrementally just keep scaling in and use some of the tools that are out there to give you some flexibility because it is early. A lot can change in both directions. And as we saw over the last year, you can also have black swan events that pull the rug out from underneath of the market. I do believe that the potential is there for even much higher prices. Um, but as we saw over the last year, the potential is there for the rug to get pulled out as well. Um, the scenario is unfolding for a possible very tight situation over the coming year, giving us a lot of volatility. For the young guy who's got a lot of leverage, a lot of loan debt, etc., he has to approach it a lot differently than someone who is well-positioned with very little loan debt. Um, has expenses under control. They can take more risks in that situation. Everyone is going to have a different business plan how to approach this. These climate policies and proposals uh, creating demand for like soy oil for renewable diesel, I mean, it, it would seem those are going to be in place for a while. Yeah, it really does. And I think this, the whole vegetable oil scenario looks very promising going forward. Um, and uh, we work with a lot of those customers, a lot of those plants that are being built and stuff, and it looks very promising. As I talk to our team who's working with them, I say, so are we going to be crushing for oil? And their response is, we're moving in that direction. Now, that's good for the livestock producer feeling like there's going to be maybe cheaper meal opportunities down the road because of that. Um, but that should help the bottom line or the, uh, the margin line for the crushing plant, therefore demand for soybeans as we go down the road, not just for soybeans, but any of the oil seeds going forward. Yep. All right, Arlen, as you said, a wild ride. We buckle up and hang on. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. We realize he was cutting in and out a little bit. We apologize for that. We're going to have to check out his phone next time. All right. Uh, while we see how all this plays out, farmers are trying to get this year's crop planted. Uh, some are in a rain delay, like in the state of Illinois. We'll check in with David Erickson. He farms near the Quad Cities. We'll get his thoughts uh, on where he's at right now with his planting as he waits for things to dry out a bit. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. 
separate Coke and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're joined now by Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, with the talk about sustainability and reducing carbon footprints and things like that. Where does the beef industry stand in all this? We have this sort of push and pull with the environmental community on this topic because they always tend to pull from international climate numbers and carbon emission numbers when talking about the U.S. cattle industry. We're a fraction of those global numbers, so when we get into some of these conversations, it's critical that there is an understanding understanding of the fact that the U.S. cattle production system is the gold standard in the world, less than 2% of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States relative to 145 or 15% globally for livestock production. What we do is the most efficient means of cattle production in the world across 600 million acres of the U.S. landmass, and we do it upcycling inedible proteins that also create habitat for wildlife and do all these other things for ecosystem services. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free 
and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, our planting update today comes from Illinois near the Quad Cities. David Erickson joins us. And, David, uh, I guess you're in rain delay, right? Yeah, Mike, we are. Um, got a good start, but uh, we've got somewhere between uh, a half and nine-tenths of an inch of rain um, between the night before last, uh, but most of that coming yesterday afternoon and, and overnight last night. So how much do you have planted? So we're, uh, we started um, on Saturday, the 24th of April. Uh, there were a few people that maybe got in the field on Friday. We had been delayed since uh, well, there were some people planted. Uh, what the following Easter, the 5th, 6th, and 7th of April, uh, we didn't. We chose not to plant then. So we started Saturday. So we had four good days running. We got a little over half of our soybeans planted and about a third of our corn acres. Um, had a thick tractor on the corn planter, and I think we've got it squared away. So uh, we're ready to make even better progress here when it dries up. So where are you on moisture? Um, did you need some? I mean, maybe you wouldn't have wanted it right now, but uh, overall, are you glad to yeah. get it, or where are you on moisture? Well, I, you know, I always say that you never want to well, not want rain. I guess uh, when we get super wet, we, we get to the point where we think we've had enough. But as a reminder, that uh, weekend of April 10th in our area, we got somewhere between four and a half and five and a half, maybe up to six inches that uh, uh, week and weekend. Um, so we had quite a bit of moisture to work with, and the ground was in pretty good shape prior to that, Mike. Um, so this rain is welcome. You know, you like to have it, uh, you have them planted, and the temperatures are warming up, both soil and air temperature. It wasn't what I would call a pounding or a, um, a cold rain. So I think it's uh, all positive. And certainly, if you were, uh, you know, you've got some planted there in that, uh, three days following Easter, I'm, I'm told by friends that had some then that uh, they definitely wanted that rain to come in uh, yesterday to help soften the ground for those crops to emerge. Yeah, I'm south of you. Uh, we haven't had as much rain as you've had, and I know you've been reminded by some in my area, friends of ours, that are letting you know <laughs> that they, they've, had, they've been able to plant more than you have. Yeah, although I think maybe the... Um, I think maybe you guys had some delays in your area, Mike, uh, maybe a little bit longer this last weekend, um, maybe to get mm-hmm. back into the field. But, uh, you know, things are really, ground conditions were great. People were uh, going great guns. I'd say almost everyone was planting. 
on Saturday and uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, a little bit depending on where you're at. Maybe you got in the field a little bit yesterday uh, or to you know finish up a field, but we were forecasting for this rain and most people didn't want to you know try to plan anything right ahead of the rain. So there's some delay there, but I, I great planning progress has been made in this area and, and we'll call it maybe five days time. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot done in, in a pretty short window there. How does this compare to last year? When did you get started, and where were you at this point last year? So we started planning last year on April 21st, and uh, we uh, concentrated on corn, and then we rained out, oh, right about this time again last year and uh, didn't get back into the field about May 1st, May 2nd. And actually... That stuff we planted the afternoon of May 1st and May 2nd didn't fare very well. Uh, we had some rain following that, if I recall correctly, on like May 4th, uh, pretty heavy rains, and um, it was. And then we had some cold conditions after that. So while we're probably overall we're behind uh, last year on planning progress, I think the acres have gone in or have gone in in much better condition. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, the forecast will hope is going to be uh, likable for us to get quite a bit accomplished here in the next few days, although I do see some rain chances starting next week again. But uh, overall, we're ahead of um, where I thought we might be, actually, the way things were progressing there in April. But we're probably we're still a little behind last year. Been a challenge on getting things done like spraying, hasn't it? I mean, we've had a very windy spring. Super windy days, Mike. That uh, you know, uh, uh, responsible operators don't don't spray during those times, and and uh, you know it shuts things down, and and of course that then of course slows down your progress on planting. That I've mentioned many times that um, we're a complete no-till operation, corn and soybeans. So, if at all possible, we like to have our burn down pre-emerge stuff on ahead of planting, and. Uh, so far, we've been able to get that done, but uh, you're right. The weather conditions have been challenging uh, from a wind standpoint. And uh, actually, if you remember, but prior to last weekend, uh, while it was it wasn't windy, we had very cold mornings, and that's not very conducive to application and activity of, of chemical on on growing weeds. What about soil temps? Uh... How closely do you monitor those, or, or do you just more go by the, the by the calendar and say, if I can go, I'm going to go? You know, some of the latter there, when we're getting to this time of year, Mike, I think we're looking at uh, where we're at on the calendar. We're knowing that uh, soil temperatures are, in fact, you know, in the upper 50s, um, and we know they're going in the right direction. The temperature forecast uh, and nightly temperatures, which is quite critical, are uh, much warmer than what they were a week ago. You know, I think when you're planting early, you maybe look a little bit at soil temperature, but you look more about uh, what the forecast looks like going forward. And right now, uh, as you put it well, we're, we're in the scenario where we look at the calendar and say it must be time to plant. So when the ground yeah. fit, we go. Yeah, the the trend has been more and more to earlier and earlier planting, and it seems like maybe we don't uh, think quite as much about the, the cooler soil temperatures as much as maybe we used to when, uh, uh, you know, the, the the push wasn't on to plant quite as early. So it's been interesting to see uh, how different farmers look at that differently. All right, good to talk with you, David. Hope you get back out there soon. Appreciate it. 
Thanks, Mike. Be well. All right. Take care. Illinois farmer David Erickson. Coming up tomorrow, a look at the U.S.-Mexico potato dispute, and we'll talk with Secretary of Agriculture Vilsack. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.